Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition, an emergency edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and yes, once again this week, I am flying solo on today's episode. It wasn't supposed to be this way for our second episode of the week, but yet, here we are. I wasn't planning on doing an episode today. Curtis and I, we were actually scheduled to record an episode tomorrow where we were going to start looking back and recapping all these announcements, the early declarations for the NFL draft, the guys who are coming back like Nolan Smith, the guys who have entered the transfer portal. We'd given it about a week or so. We figured it was time to go ahead and just talk about that stuff. So that was going to be the episode we were going to record tomorrow. But obviously, as I'm sure all of you have seen, especially by the time you are listening to this episode, we had some big news that hit, what, about 30 minutes ago? JT Daniels, officially in the transfer portal. Stetson Bennett, officially coming back for his super senior season. Also, Jermaine Burton, gone. Transfer portal. I guess entering the portal doesn't necessarily mean you're gone, but obviously, usually it means you're gone. There's always the chance you can come back, but that's that's pretty atypical when guys enter the transfer portal. So that's some news. That's some news that hit. That's some big news that hit. And with all that going down here in the span of like, I guess it happened about in a a 10 minute time period, we can't wait any longer. I I figured it was time to go ahead, do an emergency podcast, get on here and talk about it today. I tried to get Curtis on here. We wanted to get Curtis on here and and do this together, but he's actually on his way to the airport right now. That's why we were going to do this episode tomorrow. Normally we would record on a Wednesday, but we're going to push it to Thursday because he had to take a flight to Charlottesville for a wedding. And uh, yeah, he's already on his way to the airport, so it just wasn't going to happen today. But judging by all the social media interaction that we started to get like immediately as soon as this news hit the wires, I know you guys want to hear our thoughts or get some thoughts on all this news. So I figured it was best to just go ahead and jump on here solo for an emergency podcast. Not ideal, but hey, it's the best of a, of a weird situation. So we'll make it work today. And again, this is another episode where I am just shooting straight from the hip. No notes here at all. I didn't know this was coming down today. This is just pure reaction to the news that hit about 30 minutes ago. So just bear with me. Uh, My mind might jump from place to place because, again, I have no notes at all that are going to kind of keep me tethered to 
a, a specific agenda of things to talk about. But uh, yeah, we'll have some fun today. We'll talk about all these different topics, or at least as many of them I can run through here in, in um, what, half an hour or so. So uh, let's just start from the top here, man. There have been a lot of names that have hit the portal or declared for the draft, and a few that even announced that they're coming back, which is great. But we've got to start with the quarterback position, obviously, right? That's clearly been the lightning rod for conversation all season long. And it looks like the offseason won't be any different if, if this is any indication. This is a weird situation, guys. Just think about this. Just think about this. Under any normal circumstance, with really any other program in any other situation, when a draft-eligible starting quarterback who just won a national title, your program's first national title in 41 years, when that same quarterback announces his intention to return, it's calls for like unanimous, wild celebration in the streets of whatever city that university is in within that fan base. I mean, it's like, run it back, we're going back-to-back, babies, done deal, we got this, back-to-back titles. That's the general idea. I mean, if Deshaun Watson back in the day, or Joe Burrow a couple years ago, or even Mac Jones last year, if any of those guys announced that they were coming back right on the heels of winning a national title, people in those respective fan bases would have lost their minds with excitement, but not Georgia. Not with Stetson Bennett. It's just not the way it works with us, right? Especially not with this quarterback. And so clearly, I mean, as has been the case all season long, a lot of Georgia fans are unsure of how to feel about Stetson Bennett coming back, just like they were unsure of how to feel about Stetson Bennett all season long. Yeah, we're winning, but can we win the big one? That was the storyline all season long. And now it's, yeah, well, we won a national title with him, but can we win another national title with him? Because, I mean, if you think about it, on, on one hand, we have this, this reality that we did win a national title with Stetson Bennett. Again, our first national title, 41 years. Stetson Bennett was the guy. It wasn't Aaron Murray. It wasn't David Green. It wasn't DJ Shockley. It wasn't Matthew Stafford. It wasn't any of those guys who, I think by any objective measure, were all more talented quarterbacks, and I would say better quarterbacks than Stetson Bennett. It wasn't any of those guys, though, that entered this drought. It was Stetson Bennett. Legendary status officially forever secured as a Georgia Bulldog. So that's one hand. But then on the other hand, that title was won with a very specific formula. A formula that relied heavily on not just elite defense, but like historic level defensive dominance. Like I told you guys all season long, and especially over the past month or so, we won that title with Stetson Bennett being a complimentary piece to that historically dominant defense, not a feature piece of this team that was what was leading us to victories. Was, that was not the primary reason that we won games. So with that in mind, with all the losses off of that historic defense, can we repeat win a back-to-back national title, a second consecutive national title with that same formula? Will that same style offense, which, I mean, let's be real, guys, I love Stetson. and You guys know that. I am a big fan of Stetson Bennett. I value him. I appreciate what this guy has done for us, and I admire everything that he has had to fight through over and over again, honestly, to get where he has gotten and to secure legendary dog status for himself. You got to respect that. You got to love this guy. But in reality, the style of offense that we ran this year is essentially the only type of offense that Stetson has built to function effectively. 
at least as far as I'm concerned. And maybe he can prove me wrong. He's proved all of this wrong so many times in his career, and maybe he can prove us wrong wrong again. Maybe he can, he can actually operate in a in an up-tempo, spread-based attack where he's throwing the ball 40, 50 times. Maybe. We haven't seen that yet, and that's my thing. What we've seen is that's not what Stetson can do effectively. It's the style of offense that we ran this year, run the football, operate, play action, take shots, and he can help us and win games that way. But is that style of offense going to be enough to win a national title with a defense that well, will be good because it's a Kirby Smart defense. We have a ton of talent. We recruit as well as anyone in the country. We're going to be good on defense next year. There's zero doubt about that in my mind. But I would also say that defense almost certainly won't be as dominant as this 2021 version was that we just watched all season long. So that's the question. Without that historic level defense, can Stetson Bennett actually be more of a reason why we are winning football games because he's going to have to be if he is the starting quarterback we we're again going to be good on defense but we're going to have to get more from our quarterback from that position we're going to have to put more on that position or more on the offense in general or is it one of the young guns is it Brock Vandegrift is it Gunnar Stockton Carson Beck maybe if he sticks around I have been expecting his name to hit the transfer port, but it hasn't happened yet maybe it will as I'm talking right now, maybe he's waiting to see what Stetson was doing and he's going to make his announcement. I don't know. I haven't heard anything official there. Will it be one of those young guns who has more, I think objectively speaking, more physical ability, more talent than Stetson? Will they be the ones that give us a better chance to be more dynamic on offense and kind of counteract the losses that we're going to have on this historic level defense? And I think that's a really fair question. I truly do think it's a fair question. What I would say here, just my initial thoughts on this, obviously, again, we'll talk about this a lot more in the coming weeks. We'll get Curtis on here, get his thoughts as well. My initial reaction is this, though. I, I truly believe that we are a better team. The 2022 Georgia football team will be a better team with Stetson Bennett on the roster than it would be if he was not on the roster. Just think about this, guys. If Stetson decided he was not going to come back and he was just going to ride from the sunset, which, hey, I, I can understand, man. And, and I, maybe I, I would have been really tempted to do that. You know, just, hey, I secured legendary status. There's nothing left for me to do. Deuces, I'm out. Take it easy. That kind of thing. And if Stetson had gone that route, think about what our quarterback room would look like. Yes, we have a bunch of talented four and five stars that would be on the roster. You'd have Brock Vandegrift. You'd have Gunnar Stockton coming in. Probably Carson Beck. If Stetson said he was going to go, pro, he was going to just, I'm mean, not go pro, but just leave right from the sunset, go to law school, like he said. Carson Beck would probably stick around and compete for that job. And I do know that there's a segment of the fan base out there, and this is an understandable position to take, that feels like we would be better off if that was the case, because we would be assured of having a more talented option than Stetson Bennett that's going to operate at the quarterback position next year. A player with a higher ceiling would be taking the first snaps from center against Oregon next September. So I, I do get that to a degree, but are we really better off without Stetson Bennett on the roster? I mean, at the very least, this guy is the ultimate backup, the greatest back quarterback of all time. I mean, maybe that was Tom Brady, I guess, uh, once upon a time. But I mean, Stetson is invaluable on your roster with his experience, with his leadership, with, I mean, his ability. Stetson is not a garbage quarterback. Contrary to what a lot of people want to put out there, Stetson can make plays. We saw that Stetson can do good things for us. Is he limited athletically to a degree? 
Yes, of course. And do, does he have to operate within a, a certain framework offensively? I believe that's the case, at least what we have seen to this point in his career. But Stetson still has a lot of value. So I would say I do believe we are a better roster going into 2022 with Stetson Bennett on our team. But I saying that, I don't think that means that necessarily he's the best option at quarterback next year. But again, the fact is we don't know. We think we know. But we don't know if those other guys, if Vandegrift, if Stockton, if Beck potentially, if those guys will be better than what Stetson was for us in 2021. Because whoever it is will have essentially no meaningful experience whatsoever in any kind of a big time situation, any kind of SEC game like that. They're going to have no experience whatsoever. So there's going to be some growing pains. There's no doubt there. Will they be more talented than Stetson, have a higher upside, higher ceiling? Yeah, of course. But the fact is, we just don't know. You just don't know. I mean, there's their four and five stars, their ratings, their physical abilities, they tell you they would be better than what Stetson was in 2021. But until you know, you just don't know. So that's why I think, again, we're better with Stetson on our roster next year because he's the ultimate security blanket. Truly the ultimate security blanket. And I do believe this is going to be a competition. I, I fully expect that Stetson will go into spring practice as the number one quarterback, which I 100% think that he should. He has earned that. And he's, again, the only guy on our roster with any kind of experience whatsoever. He has to go into spring as number one. Someone is going to have to flat out prove they are better than him. And that's what that means. Going into number one, going into spring as number one doesn't mean that you are assured that job. It simply means you are the leader in the clubhouse and someone's going to have to knock you off. They're going to have to prove to the coaches they are head and shoulders 100% better than you and give this team a better chance to win for them to take that job. And if one of those guys does that, whether it's Vandegrift or Stockton or maybe Beck, if they prove that, awesome, fantastic. But the flip side's fantastic too. If those guys compete for the job, which, I mean, this is Kirby Smart we're talking about, guys. He opens every position up to competition. And I know you guys didn't want to hear that all during the, the season when Stetson was the guy and JT was back. All of you want to open up the competition fully and you didn't think that Kirby was giving JT a fair chance. But trust me, every position is open to competition on this football team. And if Stetson Bennett happens to come out on top of that competition, then fantastic. I want the best option for George to be our quarterback. I want the best player to emerge from that competition and be the guy. And why is it a bad thing if Stetson Bennett is part of that competition? If those other quarterbacks, those younger guns, those Vandegrift and Stockton and Beck, if they prove on the field of play at practice that they are the better option, then they will get the job. But if Stetson holds them off and continues to show the coaches, no, I'm the better option, then let's roll with him. Whoever proves it on the field, whoever proves it at practice. And that would be my argument as to why I think this is a good thing for Georgia that Stetson Bennett has decided to come back. How does it hurt us to have Stetson Bennett be a part of the conversation, to have Stetson Bennett be part of this competition? Now, it would hurt us if him coming back was just Kirby saying, Stetson, you know what, buddy? You're a legend, man. You got this job. It's not even be a competition. It, it's yours. You're, you're a shoe-in. It's a rubber stamp. We're just going to go through spring practice. This is your job. No one's taking it from you. Now, if you do that and you don't have a real competition, that's a problem, obviously. I just simply do not believe that's going to be the case. I just don't believe that's going to be the case. That's just not Kirby Smart. That's not how he operates. That's not how he's built his program. That's not what this program his foundation is built on. There's going to be a competition. And Stetson will be a part of that competition. And I think we are better off for that. If he loses the competition and he's a backup again, 
then so be it. But if he wins it, fantastic. Let's just let the best man win. I do have my doubts as to where that will be Stetson. He clearly has the experience edge by a wide margin in this battle. But as I've said on the podcast throughout this season, kind of push back on Curtis a little bit when he says that he doesn't think Kirby wants to open the offense up. He wants the offense to be what it's been. It's his comfort zone and he's a defensive guy. So he's going to stay with this kind of offense the rest of his career. I push back on that a little bit. And um, based off some of the evidence that I've seen, especially with JT getting the job and the offense looking different when JT was our, our starting quarterback for a couple games, I do think Kirby recognizes the need to be more explosive on offense. He's pretty open about that. And, and to just evolve offensively. I truly do believe that. I think the injury to JT really set things back. And we kind of just, with Stetson, we understood what the offensive formula had to be in order for us to be successful with Stetson as our quarterback. So we just had to evolve like midstream. And once we got rolling and we were winning football games, by the time JT got back, you just couldn't make the move at that point in the middle of the season. And Kirby and obviously Munkin felt comfortable with the mobility that Stetson offered. But I do believe Kirby wants to open things up offensively. He wants to throw the ball more. I believe he wants to be more dynamic, more up-tempo. He wants to put points to the board, all those things. We just really couldn't do with Stetson Bennett. I think those other quarterbacks give us the opportunity to, to do that. Now, are they going to be ready next year to lead this team to national title? Because whoever it's going to be, again, it's going to be their very first year. They have no experience whatsoever. Are they ready to do that? I don't know. That remains to be seen. But I'll say this, too. I, I've mentioned this a couple of times. Like, if... If mobility is such a big deal for Kirby and Monk, and as they have said, and as Kirby pointed out multiple times, was a primary factor in keeping Stetson as QB1, well, a guy like Brock Vanderbilt, and, and certainly even Gunnar Stockton as well, and, and maybe even Carson Beck to a degree, all those guys, at least Stockton and Vandergrift, are more mobile than Stetson Bennett is. Stetson's got mobility, but those guys have better mobility. So that kind of neutralizes an advantage that Stetson had over JT in the quarterback conversation that battle this season. So yeah, I'm not 100% convinced that Stetson will actually end up winning this job. Again, he does have the experience edge. That's going to be difficult to overcome. That does give him a leg up in the conversation in the battle, and he should have a leg up in the battle. I firmly believe that. But this competition is going to be opened up, as I, I certainly think it should be opened up, and all three of those guys, if they're all on the roster, if Beck stays on the roster, they're going to come gunning. And I think Kirby's going to give them their opportunity. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to LipsandAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
Okay, the other quarterback news that came right along with Stetson announcing his decision, that can't be coincidental, right? The idea that Stetson makes his decision that he's coming back and then boom, right on the heels of that, you got JT Daniels saying, hey guys, I'm out, I'm transferring. And that was my thought really all along. We've been asked this question, as you probably could imagine, many, many times throughout the past couple months. Who's transferring out? Is JT gonna be back next year? What's happening? And, and my response is always, you guys see what Stetson does. If Stetson comes back next year, I don't think there's really any way that JT is gonna be on this roster. If Stetson decides to leave for whatever reason, to transfer out or just right off in the sunset, I think there's a really good chance that JT will be back next year to compete for our starting job. Because I know for a fact, I have on very good authority that JT loves it here. He loves it in Athens, had a great time, loves the coaches. There's no tension there whatsoever as some people were trying to sell up points through this, throughout the season when he got back healthy and didn't get the starting job back right away. That, that's just not the case at all. But he wants to play. He wants a chance to live out his dreams and go to the NFL. And if Stetson's back this year, I mean, think about it logically. Well, if I couldn't beat him out once I got healthy last year, and I didn't get the opportunity to do that, and he just won a national title, he's probably going to go into the spring practice ahead of me. And we've already seen this story once, so let's just go somewhere else where we don't have to worry about this and have more of an open opportunity to win a starting job and, and play and try to get myself some tape out there that NFL draft guys can evaluate and set myself up for hopefully an NFL future. That's kind of how I always thought it would go down. And obviously with Stetson coming back, I expected JT to hit the road, to enter the transfer portal. And I do not begrudge him of that for one single second in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I put this out on Instagram. I, I, I don't want to read it verbatim here, but just kind of summarize what I was saying. I greatly appreciate what JT Daniels brought to this team and the way he handled himself when he came back from injury and did not become a cancer to this team, to this locker room. It's very similar to what Jacob Eason did back in 2017 when, you know, he got injured, Fromm comes in, takes over, and and ends up going the rest of the way even when Eason came back healthy. There wasn't as much conversation when Eason came back healthy because Jake Fromm at least had a little bit more of a pedigree than Stetson Bennett did come out of high school. Fromm was at least a four-star. Stetson's a former walk-on. So there wasn't like, oh my God, the five-star versus the former walk-on conversation. But there were some people out there like, hey, shouldn't Eason get his job back? Not as loud and vocal as some of the voices have been with Stetson, but there were some out there. But Easton handled it really, really well. I had a lot of respect for how he handled that situation. It was very tough for him. It had to be. And the same is true with JT Daniels. You know this had to be tough for him. This is a guy that went to SEC Media Days as one of our representatives. I mean, he was the the shoe-in to be our starting quarterback all offseason long. It was the assumption. In fact, it was the known fact. Curry was open about it. He's usually not open about those kind of things. He was said during the offseason when he did a couple interviews, JT's our guy. That's why you bring him to SEC Media Days. So he gets the big NIL deal. It's set up for this to be his team. We have national title aspirations. He was going to be the guy that was going to lead us to the national title. And then, boom, he gets injured. Win the first game, gets injured, tries to come back, hurts himself again. And in the meantime, while he's trying to heal, Stetson Bennett, slides right back in, takes over the job, the team continues to win, and he has, when he comes back, Stetson keeps the job this time instead of JT taking over like he did at the end of last year, and he has to sit and watch us go to the SEC Championship game, go to the college football playoff, win a college, college football playoff game, and then ultimately win a national title, and he did it with incredible class and grace the entire way through. In fact, I would argue he went above and beyond. He even took to social media, to Instagram, 
defending Stetson Bennett when a lot of those critical voices were getting really loud late in the season. He was going to defend Stetson Bennett, saying, you guys need to embrace him. What are you doing? Stop talking about me. Embrace this team. Embrace this quarterback. Stetson's QB1. Accept it. And that level of humility is not common, especially among athletes and, and quarterbacks in particular. That position, it's an ego-driven sport. I mean, most athletes are, are driven by their ego to a degree. It's, it's kind of the way it works. And JT, obviously, we all have egos, some bigger than others, but he has an ego. But to be able to set that aside and focus on what's better for the team and what's better for his teammate and to be such a good teammate in that situation, I, I would hope to say that I could have done the same thing. I don't know. That's tough, man. It's a really tough spot for a young guy to be in. So I think he handled it fantastically. And that's what I will remember JT Daniels for. You know, in, in 41 years, 41 years down the road, JT Daniels will be just, you know, a, a footnote in the history of this Georgia football team. But I will remember him for the way he handled himself and comported himself in a very, very difficult situation. So I respect him, I appreciate him, and I absolutely 100% wish him the best of luck wherever he goes, um, as long as it's not a team that we have to play. And I wish him the best of luck unless they're playing us. Now, I've had a couple questions as to where I think JT is going to end up. I don't have an answer to that. I've heard a couple things bandied about. I mean, just rumors, really. I'll throw some names out there. I don't know how much stock to put into any of these, but I've heard Boise State. It's kind of a weird one. I've heard Utah. Uh, I've heard Cincinnati. I've heard Ole Miss. I've heard a couple different things. So I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm just just telling you the, the names of schools that I've heard. We'll see it play out. I expect him probably here in the next week or so to, to find a home, and um, and we can talk about it then. But wherever he does end up, I do ultimately wish JT the best of luck, and hope it really, I truly do. I really hope it works out for him. And then the third bit of news that we got today, and again, there might be some more news that's hit since I started recording this episode. But as of right now, based off what I know. The third guy that hit the transfer portal or made an announcement today was wide receiver Jermaine Burton, rising junior Jermaine Burton, entering his third year. He has decided to enter the transfer portal. This is one that I had heard was a possibility, and I know that Kirby and the coaching staff were working pretty hard behind the scenes to keep him and try to convince him to stay, and I thought there was a chance that he would, especially since we hadn't heard anything from him or his camp you know, since the end of the season. But obviously, right after the announcement of JT and clearly sets a minute, Jermaine Burton makes his decision. Now, personally, maybe I'm reading too much into the tea leaves. I'm reading too much between the lines here. Maybe I'm taking too much of a leap here. But for me, I think you'd have to be a little blind here to think it's purely coincidental that Jermaine Burton announces his intentions to enter the transfer portal right on the heels of Stetson Bennett announcing that he's returning. And I say that because I clearly believe the case here, as it is for most receivers, that Jermaine Burton wants more touches. Why would Jermaine Burton enter the transfer portal? I've gotten that from a couple people on social media here in the past 30 minutes or so. Why would Burton do this? Why? Well, Jermaine Burton wants to be an NFL receiver. All these guys, if you're a four or five star prospect, you fully expect to go to college, become a star, and go to the NFL. That's your dream. That's the career path. That's what you want to do. And if you look at Jermaine Burton's numbers in his first two years here in Athens, last year as a freshman, 27 catches, 404 yards, 15 yards per reception, three touchdowns. This year as a sophomore, now he did have some injury issues at times, 
26 catches, 497 yards, 19.1 yards per attempt, five touchdowns. When it's all said and done, he probably played about the same number of games as he did last year. Uh, I know, he, again, he had some injuries, but we also played 15 games this season as a team. So his numbers were very, very similar to what they were last year. There was really no jump in his numbers as you would expect. You you, you expect a guy that was a talented Jermaine Burton to make a big jump. And we all kind of expected that. I, mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I know I did. You know, when George went down in spring practice, who do we all look to as like, all right, who's who's going to be the guy now? Who's going to be receiver number one? And almost university was like, it's Jermaine Burton. Because then when Jermaine Burton went down about a week later in spring practice, it was like, oh my God, the season's over. What are we going to do? We have nobody to receiver. We have no number one guy. We all thought Jermaine was going to be that guy. And he was good. He was really good for us at times. But he wasn't that guy. Now, I think what Jermaine Burton is looking at is like, well, it's not because I don't have the talent to be the number one guy. It's because of Georgia's offense. The way we're structured, we want to run the football, want to go play action. Yeah, he'll take some shots and he'll get some big plays off that, but his opportunities to catch the football are going to be limited. I mean, what have we said all season long? Our formula to win football games with Stetson at quarterback is to throw the ball between about 18 to 25 times, something around there. That's the sweet spot for our offense. And for a guy like Jermaine Burton, that's just not enough touches, especially when we rotate receivers as much as we do. And you have the emergence of Brock Bowers, who ate up so many touches. I mean, Bowers had more than double the receptions that, that Jermaine Burton had this year. So to me, it's pretty obvious. Jermaine Burton wants more touches. He wants to be more of a feature part of the offense. He wants to be an offense that would feature his skill set more consistently. And he just simply did not believe the offense that we ran this year with Stetson Bennett as our quarterback would be conducive to doing those things that he wants, to giving him the ball, to helping him pad his resume for his NFL future. So he was waiting and seeing what Stetson Bennett was going to do. And when Stetson decided to announce that he was coming back, then to me, there's just no coincidence there that Jermaine Burton immediately announces his intention to enter the transfer portal. And I, I cannot fault Jermaine for that. I mean, I understand his desire to go to the NFL. I, I get that. I can't blame the kid at all. And he's if Stetson is our starting quarterback next year, guys, I, I don't think he's going to get a significant increase in the number of touches that he gets. Maybe he gets up to, to 35 or 40 catches, but that's not what he wants. He wants to be the feature guy in an offense that runs up-tempo spread kind of stuff where he's going to be getting 50, 60, 70 catches, going for 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. He wants Alabama-level receiver numbers, and I understand that. He thinks he's that kind of player. Now, the question for us moving forward is, well, how much does the loss of Jermaine Burton hurt? Because Jermaine Burton's a talented receiver. He is. Now, I will say Jermaine Burton has not proven that he is a legit number one option yet. He plays the Z position. He's not really an X receiver, which is kind of a complimentary receiver anyway. But I'm not going to sit here and say that we are a better team without Jermaine Burton. Just like I think we're better with Stetson Bennett on our roster, I certainly believe we would be better in 2022 with Jermaine Burton on our roster. However, I'm not going to lose my mind and panic right now about this. I still think that we have some really talented options, young options at receiver still on this roster. A.D. Mitchell, I think he also had to factor in this too. A.D. Mitchell kind of emerged as the season continued to, to progress as our number one option at receiver. His numbers were similar to Burton's. He had 29 catches, 426 yards, four touchdowns to Burton's, what do I say, 26 catches, 497, five touchdowns. Very similar numbers, but you also got to remember, AD is a freshman. He's still learning. And I think there's enough writing on the wall for Burton to see, yeah, the coaches think that AD is going to be that guy. He's going to be the next George Pickens. 
the next clear number one option for his wide receiver. So you got AD and you also have Brock Bowers, who isn't going anywhere, guys. Brock is almost certainly still going to be the feature passing threat on this offense. So again, I get why, why Jermaine left when that's the situation he's looking at next year. And that's why I also don't feel like this is a death blow. I'm not panicking about this. I do th- wish that Jermaine would stay on this roster and be on our team. I think we're better with him. But when you have guys like A.D. Mitchell and you've got Brock Bowers and hopefully Darnell, we'll get to him a little bit later, hopefully he sticks around. And you've got guys like Kieris. It seems like he's still going to be around, at least as of right now, unless he's made an announcement while I've been recording this podcast, he's going to be back next year. Don Blaylock should hopefully, dear God, for his own good more than anything, be back next year. Arian Smith is going to be back next year. So we still have plenty of options. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saints, another one. Lad McConkey. So the list is going on and on. So I think we have enough options there to withstand the loss of a guy like Jermaine Burton, who again is a very talented receiver, who I think can put up better numbers in a different kind of offense, but has still hasn't proven that he is a legit, true alpha number one wide receiver. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, so that was the big news from today, the reason for this being an emergency podcast. We've covered all that stuff, so now what I want to do is let's go back and Let's go rapid fire through the list of players who have already announced that they're either entering the portal, they're going to the NFL, some of them are coming back. Let's just kind of go rapid fire through this. I'll give you my initial thoughts on all these guys. And again, we'll get Curtis on here next week and we'll get some more conversation. If you have mailbag questions, guys, please go ahead and send those in. Hit us up on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. You can email us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. So I'm just going to take out the top here. with me find a list. All right, here, here's a good list here. All right, so Amir Speed, that one was earlier this week, Michigan State. Godspeed Amir Speed. I, I know he's no pun intended there, but uh, he's been around since what, like 2017? He was around for the first playoff run. He was around for the second one. He was here for national title. I absolutely wish him the best moving forward. Michigan State's an, uh, it's an obvious landing spot for him, reuniting with Mel Tucker. So good luck there. That's not really going to hurt us. He didn't win a job this year. He was not going to win a job next year. He's kind of a, a special teams player for us, a really good special teams player for us. We'll be okay. Jalen Johnson, former walk-on wide receiver, um, going to ECU, I think is where he's transferring. And good for him. I mean, he, again, he was not going to be in the rotation this year, not consistently. So good for him to go find a place where he can he can play a little bit more and, and make more of an impact. Justin Robinson's a guy who I, I wish would have stuck around. He had some issues with drops at times this year, but I do think he has some talent in in uh, in that frame. And I think he has the potential to be a big-time player if he can kind of just straighten some things out. The drops I didn't love, and I honestly just don't think he played really big, whether it's in the blocking game or as a receiver trying to catch the football. I don't think he played as big as he actually was. But there is talent there. He's going to Mississippi State. I think he'll probably flourish 
in that system. Basically, every receiver that's in the Mike Leach system is going to flourish. They just do. It's the function of the offense. So um, eh, I would rather him be on the team, but I don't think that's a, a massive blow there. Jalen Kimber going to Florida. I don't love that. I think Jalen Kimber has some talent. He's a very, very athletic athletic guy. Coming out of high school, he had one of the highest Nike Spark scores out there. Really, really athletic dude. A slight frame, he, but he was going to be in the thick of the cornerback competition until he went down with some unfortunate injuries. He's transferring out to Florida. That's what I don't love. I guess I get why he's transferring, but I kind of don't get why he's transferring. I know Keely Ringo's obviously going to be a shoe-in for a job next year, but the Darion Kendrick cornerback spot is, that's open, guys. That's wide freaking open. There is no one with a firm claim on that job, and he had as good of a chance as anybody to come in and win that job, but He's going to Florida for whatever reason. Maybe there's some going on behind the scenes there. Not sure. That one's a little bit of a head scratcher for me. And um, I think he's probably going to do a pretty good job at Florida. I think he's a talented player. Latavius Brini, we know that he's transferring out. I don't believe he's announced a destination yet, but but he's heading out the door. And I get that one too. So he was a starter almost all year long. Did, did some really good things for us. And he was a big part of us winning some of the, the games that we won early season. He made a really big pass breakup in the end zone against Clemson. So, I mean, we might not win that game without him making that play because they were targeting him late in that game. When they were trying to, to come down and score and tie the football game. So he did help us win some games this year. But he did lose that job, got benched against uh, Tennessee on the road and just was MIA the rest of the season. So we'll see where he ends up. He's another guy like Amir Speed. Hard to blame. He was here back in 2017 and see here for both college 12 playoff runs. Lavoisier Carroll, who was formerly recruited as a running back out of IMG, but was moved to cornerback. He is transferring out. And that's an interesting one to me is that because he doesn't see an opportunity for playing time at cornerback next year, or is it that he wants to be a running back? He wants to go back and play what he was recruited to play. That one, um, I don't know. That's, that's an interesting one there. I'm not sure exactly why he's transferring. If I had to guess, he probably wants to play running back again. Because again, Darion Kendrick is moving on. There is a wide open cornerback spot. And I know that the coaches were high on him. And I think he I think he could be a really good cornerback if he really dedicated himself to it. We'll see where he ends up and what position he ends up playing moving forward. But outside of depth, I don't think that is a massive blow. And we have a hell of a DB class coming in here with this 2022 class. So I, I think we'll be able to compensate for that loss. And then some guys going to the NFL. Look, we knew most of these guys were in the NFL. Jamari Salyer, James Cook, Zamir White. We knew that those guys were gone. Happy for them. They've earned this opportunity. Lewis Seen, there was some talk about he might return, but I always felt Lewis was going to, to, to declare he's got a young daughter. And typically guys in that situation, they want to get to the league as fast as they can. If they're like a second, third round projection, they're probably going to go because they need that money. They want to take care of their family. I understand that. Nakobe we knew was gone. George Pickens, we weren't 100% sure, but I had a pretty good authority. I was told that, yeah, expect him to go pro. I know that was a popular question. And that one, I I get it and I don't get it. I know George is a talented guy and he's probably put enough on tape for NFL draft guys to evaluate what he can bring to the table to an NFL franchise. But on the other hand, you're like, well, you didn't play all last year. I guess the last couple games, you know, or the last four games of the season he played. But how much could he have improved his draft stock coming back one more year and being the alpha number one feature part of our wide receiver core again. But here's the thing. If you're George Pickens, you're looking at it and you say, well, Brock Bowers came in this year and he's kind of emerged as this big time guy and Stetson comes back. 
am I really going to get all that many touches? Maybe I have a game here or there where I go off, but is it really going to be enough to improve my draft stock significantly? So I guess I really understand why he's declaring. And I fully expect him to be a first or second round. He might slip into the second round, but he'll he'll almost certainly be a, a top two round pick in the NFL draft with what he's already put on tape. Trayvon Walker was one of the men I was really holding out hope for, and I was asking around about him, and I what I was told was, eh, we don't know, 50-50s up in the air. So I was hoping, I was like, glass half full, maybe, hopefully, because if he came back to help anchor the that defensive line with a guy like Jalen Carter, and, and obviously we'll talk about him in a minute here, but with Nolan Smith coming back, that would have been a huge boost next year's defenses. That guy is insanely talented. Now, intellectually, I didn't really feel like there was a great chance he was going to come back because watching this guy play as I did all season, especially as the season progressed and he just continued to take off and improve more and more. I'm sitting there watching this guy. I'm like, this is 100% a first-round draft pick. How is this guy not getting first-round draft pick love right now? And like, selfishly, I was kind of like, please don't start talking about him as a first-round draft pick because I don't want that to start building because I would love for him to come back next year. But I'm watching him like, this is a first-round player. And sure enough, I think uh, Mel Kuyper actually released his initial mock draft today. And I think Trayvon Walker is like inside the top 15. I was like, yep, that makes sense. That's exactly what I watched all season. So if you're a first round projected draft pick on the defensive line, you got to go. Mid first round projection, you, you got to go. And so I, I get that. And I absolutely wish him the best. I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL. He's got a lot of position versatility. And that boy about to go make himself some money. I mean, I still remember that sack he made to kind of seal the game against Auburn a couple years ago on the planes there. And at that moment, I was like, I know that you're talented. Like, I've known that all along watching you in high school and and following you in in the recruiting aspect of things. But dude, you are going to be a stud. And that's exactly what he turned out to be. So wish him the best. Darion Kendrick, we know, is gone. Jake Camarda, Justin Schaefer, Devontae Wyatt. We knew those guys are gone. Channing Tindall had a couple questions. Like, is Channing Tindall going to come back? Like, maybe he could be, like, the guy at linebacker next year. But... I saw no chance of that because I knew he'd already accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl, as with Quay Walker. I didn't think those guys, I knew those guys were not coming back because I knew they were going to the Senior Bowl. They'd already accept that, that invite. And once you do that, you're, you're basically declaring. You're saying, I'm going to the NFL next year. So, Tyndall Walker, I expect both those guys to be big time. Nicobe, I think I already mentioned him. We know that he was going pro. Uh, Fitzpatrick, John Fitzpatrick was one that was a little bit interesting. Uh, he could have come back. This, is, this was his fourth year on campus. He could have come back as a super senior. But I mean, he had, actually he could have come back as a redshirt senior. He redshirted his first year, so I was a little bit surprised for him to declare for the NFL draft because I just don't see him as that kind of guy, like a, a top level receiving threat in the NFL. But hey, guys that can block in the NFL and can also go out there and run routes and catch passes, you can hang on in the NFL. Those guys are valuable. And no, Fitzpatrick is not a Brock Bowers level threat as a receiver, but he's a good blocker and he's athletic enough to go catch some balls that I think he could potentially make a team. But I was still surprised to see that. I did not expect to see that one. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we have a couple of players that will be joining Stetson Bennett and returning for another season of football between the hedge. At the top of that list has got to be outside linebacker Nolan Smith. I felt there was a really good chance he would come back. I was told that he was maybe leaning more towards coming back than Trayvon Walker was. I told you Trayvon was about 50-50. 
Nolan was a little bit closer coming back, but there was still always the chance that he could turn pro. But Nolan's a guy, if you remember from recruiting, was a former number one overall recruit. Had not really had the opportunity to live up to that prior to this year. This year, I thought this guy played lights out for us. No, he didn't put up massive sack numbers, only four and a half sacks on the year. But he was asked to do far more than that. He actually didn't always play on third and long situations when we were in our dime packages. We were bringing different players in there, especially when we had Adam Anderson still a part of this team. So he just wasn't necessarily used in that capacity where he was the guy that was designated to go out there, rush quarterback, and get those sack numbers in those obvious passing situations. But against the run, I thought Nolan Smith played lights out all season long. And he's not undersized, but he's not the biggest guy out there. He doesn't weigh as much as some of those other outside linebackers would. Actually, we were seeing him at a bar here in Athens over the summer. And I remember my initial thought was like, dude, like you probably need to gain some weight, but he plays bigger than he is. He plays with a really, really strong physicality there in the trenches. And I thought he did an outstanding job against the run. I thought he did a really good job for us at times rushing the passers. Well, even if he didn't always have the sack numbers, he did affect the passer pretty consistently. So I think this is a guy coming back this year that could explode in his senior season. I, I thought he took a massive step forward this year. And he could be a household name next year and could be one of those leaders on this defense if he wasn't already. So I'm really excited to get Nolan back. And that's not a position. Like we got him and Robert Beal back. Robert Beal coming back for his super senior season. And Robert Beal is a guy who really didn't make much of an impact on our team. He's kind of buried in the depth chart until this season. He actually ended up leading the team in sacks when it was all said and done with six and a half sacks in the year. Obviously, he did benefit from Adam Anderson and his situation and him no longer being with the team. And took advantage of that. He played really well down the stretch for us. He was used more as like a designated pass rusher than Nolan was. But we're fortunate. I think both Nolan and Beal are coming back because that is a position. We talked about this all year. We have very little depth that position. And going to next year, unless we go to the transfer portal and land a quality guy, which we very well could. I mean, that's a position that if we're going to go get somebody from the transfer portal, which I know that we will, that's a position I would look at very, very long there in terms of getting bringing in a guy to uh, add to the depth there at outside linebacker. But if those guys don't come back, who do we have on the roster right now to play outside linebacker? You have MJ Sherman, who is a highly rated guy, but really hasn't had a chance to do much. I guess in this, well, I wouldn't say in a similar vein, Nolan Smith. Nolan made more of an impact in his first two years on campus than MJ Sherman's had, had the chance to do. But he hasn't really done all that much. We're hopeful that he's going to be great, but we don't know that. It's kind of like the quarterbacks. And then you got Chaz Chambliss, who played in spot duty, actually played ahead of MJ Sherman this year, who did some nice things and showed he could be a, a good, solid role player for us. But has he shown the ability to go out there and be a, a dominant edge player for us? No, he hasn't shown that yet. And maybe Xavier Sorry, he kind of goes back and forth between inside linebacker and outside linebacker. But outside of that, we have nobody at that position currently on the roster. So getting both those guys back who played at a high level for us this year, I think is massive for our defense and for our overall team heading into the 2022 season. And then the secondary, get Chris Smith coming back as, I I, I want to call him a two-year starter. I know he didn't start the 2020 season as, as a starter. He played half that year as a starter once Richard LeCount went down with his injury, but at least a full year now as a starter, played some really good football for us. Obviously, we know he made that game-clinching, game-winning interception, that pick six against Clemson to open the season. And he's a guy that might not be the greatest athlete 
at the safety position, and that's probably why he's come back for another year. That and the injury he suffered late in the season, which impacted his ability to play in a couple of those games, and maybe his draft stock isn't where he wants it to be. But he's a guy that the coaches trust. He knows what to do. He has the experience. He's played in big games. We are very fortunate. Losing Lewisine, very fortunate to be able to get Chris Smith back and have at least one starter returning at the safety position. I think that's huge for our secondary. So we know we have at least two starters returning to the secondary with obviously Keely Ringo and Chris Smith. And William Poole is going to be returning as well. He was a starter the last couple games of the season as we enter the postseason. He'll obviously have a chance to continue in that role at the star position. But Tyke Smith, who was going to be penciled in as our starter at the star position prior to the season, suffered a foot injury, an unfortunate foot injury in fall camp, and then was able to come back from that. But then tore his ACL shortly after recovering from the foot injury and getting cleared to return to practice and game action, which was really, really unfortunate for him. You know, he's the third team All American coming out of West Virginia last year when we got him as a transfer. Again, he was penciled in to play that star position. So it'd be interesting to see how this plays out. William Poole did not have his best game against Alabama the first go around the SEC championship game, but I really thought he improved with each game throughout the postseason getting into the Orange Bowl and then, of course, the National Championship game. I thought that third down pass breakup after we scored the touchdown to go up 19-18 in the National Championship game was a huge, very underrated play in that game. So it's exciting. it's exciting to get him back and see how he can continue to grow and build off that confidence. But does Tyke Smith step in and compete for that job at star? Or does Tyke Smith potentially get a look at safety? He's a guy that I think has some positional versatility as well. I could see him certainly getting a look there, at least cross-training. Does William Poole get a look at safety? I think Poole would be more of a candidate to stay at the star position. He's a little bit bigger. I like him more against the run there. So it'll be interesting to see how Tyke Smith fits in, but you got to imagine he's going to fit in somewhere, whether it's at star or at safety. Very excited to get a guy of his caliber back. And then finally, the big name that hasn't made an announcement one way or the other that I continue to get questions about is the big zero, Darnell Washington at tight end. Is he going to stay? Is he going to transfer? There are rumors out there that he's going to transfer. He's going to he's going to go to Bama. And he's going to come back and beat us next year. And look, I I don't have a, a firm answer here. I get why Darnell, kind of like Jermaine Burton, why he might want to transfer. He wants touches. He came as a big five-star prospect. Then here comes this true freshman, Brock Bowers, and takes the world by storm. He's a guy that got completely snubbed by the Mackey Award. I still can't believe he wasn't a finalist for the Mackey Award. Whatever. He's a national champ. That surpasses the Mackey Award, but still just ridiculous stuff. But one couple different freshmen of the year, and he's getting all these these looks, all these touches, and he's the superstar at tight end. And Darnell had under 10 catches on the season. So I understand why he might want to look elsewhere. He also, like Lewis Seen, has a young daughter. I know he has his eyes on the NFL. Ideally for Darnell, he's going to be three now. He comes back next year, has a big year, goes to the NFL, makes some money, and can, and can help provide for his family. And I was concerned after the National Championship game, especially uh, last week, he removed all UGA references from all his social media accounts. They were all scrubbed of UGA stuff. And I know those of you who don't follow social media all that closely and aren't familiar with how that works and maybe familiar with with current modern day youth culture, that's kind of a big sign. Usually when you're following these things, if a player, if he goes to a particular school and he scrubs his account of all their stuff, that's usually a sign. Even if you're following recruiting, if it's like if the guy's committed to Georgia or committed to whatever school and then all of a sudden all references to that university are now scrubbed from his accounts, it's probably a good sign that he is opening things up and maybe he's decommitted. And you can say the same thing now with the transfer portal. That's basically what it is. The transfer portal is like a, a, a decommitment, like a late stage decommitment. So that was like, uh-oh, bad sign. But 
earlier this week, I think maybe yesterday, he restored all of those UGA references. And I know you can say, Tyler, you're, you're totally just like, you're, you're reaching here, man. And maybe I am, but I'm just telling you, you follow these things and it's usually a pretty strong indicator. So I think that's a good sign. You can never say never, but it seems like Kirby and company have done a pretty good job uh, of talking with Darnell and convincing him to stay at Georgia and we're the best option for him. So I hope that's the case because Darnell and Brock Bowers, and I, I think Oscar Delp coming in to kind of replace what we have with John Fitzpatrick can be a dynamic duo and potentially a dynamic trio next year that could really help take this offense to another level. But I think that's it for me, guys. I'm sure I missed something. It's almost certainly inevitable that I did. Here's another thought that actually just came to me a minute ago while I was going through this. Go back to Stets a minute real quick. Again, I know I told you guys I'd be all over the place. I try to keep this as organized as I could, but here I am. My mind's working in mysterious ways. Here's another thought on Stetson. Something about this. We talked about Stetson wanting to go to law school. He said as much. I mean, he said that directly, I think, on the Good Morning America interview. But also said that he wants to play football somewhere next year. Hopefully, you know, that would be at Georgia, but who knows? Obviously, now we know it's going to be here in Athens at the University of Georgia. Think about this for a second. So, Stetson Bennett, as this newly anointed legend of the University of Georgia, a guy that led us to our first national championship, at least the quarterback who led us to our first national championship in 41 years. Think about the NIL money this guy is in line potentially to make in the next calendar year. Just think about that for a minute. I think that has to factor in his decision, right? Like if he transfers out and goes somewhere else, let's say he thinks he has an opportunity to go play somewhere else. He doesn't, because see what he's saying in the Good Morning American interview. I'm going to come back if I can trust the decisions the coaches make, which is a very odd thing to say. I kind of took that as like him saying, well, if the coaches might, you know, they might be going to look and bring in a transfer. And I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I can trust that. But it was, it was a kind of a strange thing to say, but it's also in Stetson's best interest. If he wants to, if he's dead set on playing somewhere next year, which it, clearly he said that he was, you would think it's in his best interest to stay at Georgia because his value from an NIL perspective in actually selling a product is as the Georgia quarterback. He's a Georgia legend. If Stetson decided, you know, I'm going to play next year, but I don't trust the coaches, I'm going to transfer out, and like he ends up at at Cincinnati or he ends up at Boise State or somewhere else or maybe he ends up at Ole Miss, I don't know, wherever he ends up. Does he have the same NIL value that he would have at Georgia? He's not a legend for them. He's just a, another guy who's a former walk-on that like happened to catch on and hitch a ride to Georgia's great defense and win national championships. So I think that had to play a role in number one, Stetson wanting to come back for a sixth year. He's going to make a lot of money, guys. I mean, he could make six, I don't know, seven figures, but he could potentially make six figures next year as an NIL. Like that's only it's out of the question. And if he goes somewhere else, he's probably not looking at that kind of money. So just something that popped in my mind here. I mean, NIL is still very new for us, but you know, maybe that's a cynic in me, but you got to think that factor into his decision in some way, right? In some way. But all right, guys, I think that's all I got. That's all I got today. I'm sorry we couldn't get Curtis on here. That was the plan. That was the plan to do this tomorrow, but then all this news hit today. We want to get on here. Curtis is in the air right now. So want to go on and uh, get on here and go ahead and uh, discuss this stuff for you guys. We'll give Curtis a chance to, to say his piece next week. But yeah, that's it. Emergency Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions, let us know. We'll cover all that stuff next week at Glory underscore UGA on Twitter, Glory UGA Podcast at gmail.com, Glory UGA Podcast on Instagram. Follow us there. Hit us up there. Let us know what you guys think, what you want us to talk about, what questions you have. We'll have you guys covered. Thank you guys. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>